Lord God, we do thank you for this wonderful season that we are able to enter into now, a season of, of preparation, a season of waiting, a season of just getting Savior. Lord, we also pray for all those who Savior. Lord, we also pray for all those who uh, find themselves traveling this weekend and in these coming, uh, really this coming month. Lord, would you be with them? Would you give them safety? Would you... Uh, Give them traveling mercies as, as they go and, and celebrate uh, different holidays and uh, just have fun with, with family and with loved ones. And, and Lord, would you bring them back to us safely uh, as they travel and, and just bless their time uh, with those. And Lord, those that stay here, would you bless them also and be with them and meet them uh, in truly a special way. We give the service to you. Uh, we thank you that we can gather here and and that we can praise you, and that we can lift your name high, and, and we just give the service to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We say the right things, many of us, especially those of us that are, you know, maybe grew up in the church, maybe are familiar with it. We know all the right lines. We even know, like, the right songs, right? But, but then when it comes to, like, if somebody were to study us, if somebody were to look at Christians, do Christians look different during the season of Advent than the rest of their neighbors? If you were to, if you were to, like, I don't know, some outside perspective is able to kind of look and study and, and do all this scientifically and say, okay, is there evidence in, in how these people behave that something's going on here, that, that they're actually waiting for something else, that, that this is a season that isn't just about all these other things, but it's about getting ready uh, for, a, for a king, for a Messiah to come into the world. Now, interestingly enough, one of the most popular uh, Bible verses that we read about Christmas, that we read about preparing this time, doesn't come from the New Testament. When Jesus is around, it comes from the Old Testament. It actually comes from about 700 years before Jesus is born, and it's, it's through the prophet Isaiah, and it's what Jimeline read for you earlier. The prophet Isaiah is speaking to God's people about this hope of this coming king this coming Messiah, this, this one who would bring peace, this one who would bring God's people back to him. And, and this is what it says. I'll read for you again. Uh, verse 2, and then skipping a little, and then verses 6 and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. As I mentioned, this is 700 years before Jesus is born. And, and you can kind of guess what's going on a little bit because it starts off with the people living in deep darkness. So here's a little background on what's going on in Isaiah's life, the prophet who, who speaks these words to God's people. There's, he's in his own setting, he's in his own world, and he's speaking to people of, of a hope 
that is to come. Now, that hope doesn't come for 700 years, but, but there's situations going on in his world that make it a deep darkness, that make it a perfect time for a word of hope to enter in. So like the other prophets in the Old Testament, they don't, they don't just uh, speak of things in the future, although that's probably what we think of them more for doing. They also speak truth into hard situations, and Isaiah was certainly known for that. He's living in this terribly difficult time uh, for the nation of Israel where, where he's living. These, these are people that throughout the Bible, we're told, are called out of all the people of the world, and they're told that they specifically are going to be a light in the darkness, that these people are going to bring hope to a hopeless world, that, that if they live into this calling that God has for them, that, that the whole world is going to see them and, and know more about God. So it's those people that Isaiah is talking to, and they're going through a really hard time. They actually have military enemies on all sides. Um, it's, it's a time where the Assyrian Empire is, is at the height of its power, and they're right on the northern border. And if you, I don't know, just look up the Assyrians, and you can hear all these atrocities that, that they commit throughout the entire ancient world. And, and that is who's right on the border. And the Assyrians are, are looking at God's people here, and they're saying, that's the next land we're going to conquer. And this isn't the first time in the Bible that, that this kind of scenario has come up. And, and what God has told his people over and over again is, is trust in me. Lean on me. Don't, don't trust in your armies. Don't trust in, in the world around you. Lean on God. God will protect you. And there's, there's time after time where God does just that. But in Isaiah's time, that's not the direction that the people go. They don't lean on God. They're, they're scared. They have these enemies on all sides. They feel like there's this hopelessness in their world. So the leaders of the people start making military alliances with all their neighbors. They start making all these alliances, and it's this complicated web of, I'll protect you if you protect me kind of scenarios. And, and it spans out over all these smaller countries, and they think if we can just lean on each other, if we can just lean on each other, then maybe we can hold off this empire. Maybe we can stop ourselves from being conquered. So in the place of trusting God, they start trusting in their own intellect. They start trusting in their own abilities. They start trusting in, in their military to save them. They start trusting in, in how smart and wise they are and how they can figure out the whole world and I don't know, if you don't see some connections to our own lives uh, at this point, maybe I'll just make it more clear, right? right? When, when the darkness is coming and they see it and, and they're having a hard time, they start leaning on themselves. They start leaning on their own gifts, their own abilities and say, if I can just do this right, then we can survive this. And what actually gets worse, that, that itself is not too terrible. What gets worse is when they make these alliances, part of how you do it is you start intermarrying with these other cultures. And that itself is not necessarily the worst thing, although the Bible warns against it for God's people. But where it becomes bad is they start actually abandoning the one true God of their ancestors. And they start worshiping the other gods of these other countries, of these other people groups. So they're fully mixed in, and now there's no difference. If you were to look at it from an outside perspective, there's no difference between these people that are called to be a light into the world and their neighbors. 
They're acting the same. They're worshiping the same gods. They're trusting in their own abilities and their own intellects. When, when they think war is coming, they make sacrifices to these other gods to protect them. And here we find the prophet. This is not eternal. This darkness will not last forever. The, the people have turned away from God, and, and even in their activities, even in how they treat others, they, they've started living like these, these other people of the world. We're told in the book of Isaiah that the rich started to oppress the poor. We're told that the powerful began to lord over the weak. We told that they put their trust in these other gods and their trust in these other military alliances and they're, and they're using all this and, and they're looking just like everyone else. You know, in the church today, I don't, I don't think we've necessarily turned away from God. We're doing that part, I think, pretty good. But do we look like everyone else? If, if you were to just study... Uh, Christians, again, during the season of Advent, can you tell the difference? Can you tell who's just going with the flow, doing this, uh, this purchasing and, and consumerism thing in our world, and, and who is too busy for family and too busy for loved ones and, and too busy to slow down, and, and yet God's people are called to wait with anticipation. God's people are called to still themselves and to look for the light that is to come, to still themselves and to look for the hope that is in the future. There's several messages throughout the Old Testament many, many times where these prophets of God point people forward. They point people to this hope that's in the future. They point people to one who is to come. And, and we have this wonderful thing in, in time where we can look backwards in time and see what they were talking about, right? But, but the people living in that moment, they, they don't know Jesus is coming in 700 years. They don't, they don't know what this is going to mean, but, but they're able to look for this light and look for hope. They're told in Second Samuel 7 that a future king will come from David's line. Uh, reflecting back on Exodus 19, they're told that this future king will lead God's people to be obedient to God, to follow after God, to, to follow after the commands of God. So that God's blessing and God's salvation would flow outward through this nation of people, through this people who are called to be a light themselves, and it would flow through them and out into the world. That's the problem to read this verse. And it stands out in kind of a new way. Isaiah 9, 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now imagine, if you will, imagine being in their time. They live in these ancient cities. They're surrounded by, by mighty walls that, that in a lot of ways you lean on to protect you. Um, but if, if a threat comes, especially a military attack, and it, and it comes unexpectedly, they can conquer your walls. Right? So, so the people have to be alert. The people have to be aware. And, and what happens in all these ancient cities and uh, this setting is, is that the nighttime is the biggest threat. 
right? Because during the day, if, if there's an army approaching or even a small group that's coming to, to sabotage something or, or come in, uh, you would be pretty aware. It's pretty easy to see when the light is there where the danger is. So, so imagine, if you will, that you are one of these people who has been stationed as part of the night guard. There's people that have been put at strategic locations on the wall. And they would rotate who it is that, that needs to do it. And they would, their job is to stay awake all night, to stay alert all night, to keep their eyes sharp, to look out into the darkness. And, and if uh, the danger comes, then they can alert everyone else. And, and they need to take their job seriously because their own life and the lives of all their loved ones are at, are at stake. Right? The, the danger comes through the darkness. It can hide uh, the movements and the actions of the enemy. So they wait. They wait in the darkness, waiting for an invasion. Never knowing if it's going to come. Never knowing if you and, and everyone you love that's behind you is truly safe. And everyone is scared. And everyone's on high alert. And you wait through the night. Night after night. Darkness after darkness. And to those people, Isaiah spoke these words from God. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In the most practical sense, in their time, he's speaking of the sunrise. The end of this, this terror of the night. Right When the sun comes up, that you breathe a sigh of relief. It didn't happen tonight. And Isaiah is using this, and he's not even just speaking of the sunrise that they experience every night as God protects them once again. He's, he's speaking of it metaphorically. Right? He's speaking of, of this entire situation. Saying, this is what it's like to live in this world. And we're waiting for something. We're waiting with anticipation for something new. The people who have been living in darkness, they've been afraid, they've been vulnerable, they've been alone. And the good news is to those people, a light has dawned. You see, this is... It's, it's pretty clear why Christians continue to go back to this verse. This is, this is Advent language, right? This is Christmas language that, that people are living in this deep darkness and, and God has come in a new way to bring hope, to bring security into their world. It's actually the reason why for many, many years churches have been lighting candles during this season to recognize the power of the light as it enters into the darkness to prepare ourselves for the coming light of, of Jesus' hope in a dark and hurting world. Jesus is that light that comes some 700 years later. He is that Prince of Peace. He is that one that they've been waiting for. Let me read the whole passage for you again and, and try to think of it through that lens, try to think of it through 
what it was like for them living in their world. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and of peace there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Amen. (laughs) So what does this mean for us during this season? What does it mean for us right now as as we too are entering this time of of hopefully preparation, hopefully getting ready, but many of us, I I think we can just be honest, are are in a time of darkness. We're in a time where we don't feel it. We we look around and and whether it's health or finances or relationships or or whatever it is, we find ourselves in, in a land of deep darkness. Looking forward, hoping for something more. And, and it's intimidating, and it's scary. And especially if we feel like we're going through it alone, it, it's really, really a difficult place to be. But the wonderful news is that our God, the God that we follow, is the God who has over and over and over again in human history met people right where you are right now. That's who this God is. That's who this God is that we that we read about in the Bible, he's the one that, that just when it seemed the darkest, just when it seemed like there was no light to come, just when it seemed like all was lost, that, that God regularly enters into the human world, enters into the human condition and meets us in those moments. And there's light. And there's hope. Have you ever really thought about the difference between light and darkness? You know, sometimes we just think about it like it's, like it's two ends of a scale. But but there's a reason that one candle is the symbol for today. If this room was totally dark, and you lit one candle, and you waited a minute for your eyes to adjust, you would be able to navigate this room. You probably wouldn't run into chairs anymore. You probably wouldn't run into other people. You wouldn't be hurting each other as you tried to escape. Right? And, and many of us live in this world that, that just when it feels the darkest, that one glimmer of light can make all the difference. That one glimmer of light, whether it, whether it comes uh, to us or, or comes through us to someone else that we are showing God's light to, that, that one glimmer can make all the difference in the world. It can be the difference between stumbling around and and falling, and, and hurting ourselves, and hurting others, and, and that, that's the way many people live in this world, right? We just kind of bump into each other, and, and, and throughout the years, throughout time, we, we just 
hurt each other more and more, and, and people just live with pain, and people live uh, in this, this setting where, where the whole world is hard, the whole world is difficult to get around, and there's no light, and, and it's just such a, such a tragedy, and it's so hard, and, and people just continue to hurt each other, and then it, it goes on to the next generation, and then they do the same thing, and, and just continues on and on, and, and that's where we find ourselves. You know, and as I, as I look at our world, I think we can get so busy with some of this uh, rush, rush, rush kind of busy Advent stuff, but then other people are just stuck in this dark place. And both of them are in desperate need for the sun to come up in the morning. They're in desperate need for, for something to happen, for God to break through in a new way. And that's how... Uh, you know, these, these prophecies in the Old Testament, that's how they, that's how they work. Isaiah is speaking in, in a way to a number of different people through time. In his immediate context, it, it has a lot of meaning, right? It has a lot of meaning to, to these people who are living in deep darkness and are, and are looking for hope. And then throughout the centuries, it has meaning to each generation as they, as they go. And then all of a sudden, it has a, a lot of meaning when it comes to the first century world, the world that Jesus is born into, and this light comes into their world, there's a lot of meaning there. And, and then it actually continues through history, and it comes to us as followers of God now that we can look at this and, and also trust that in our darkness, just like in theirs, that God will come, that God will be with us. So I'm going to read it once again, uh, but this time I'm going to read it to you. Uh, and then we'll end in prayer. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever.